The exercise of exploring what-ifs is a futile endeavor full of pointlessness and agony and strife. So on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels, we're talking about what-ifs. Because why not? Let's just lean right into it and figure out what could have been in the national championship game. Plus, we are going to share some Carolina family stories, and we're going to look at a couple of the way-too-early men's top 25 for next year's college basketball season that are already out. All of that on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, April 6, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's All Tar Heels site, and I want to welcome you to today's show. So glad you are here. I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first watch and your first listen every single day. If you are watching on YouTube, do me a favor, go ahead and hit that like button. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. That just helps us know how the show's doing, how many people are tuning into what's going on. Please remember that we are free and available on all of the po uh, podcast platforms. So wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find the show and subscribe to it there. Well, as you can see, I am back in the friendly confines of Shady Acres. What in the world is Shady Acres, you're asking? Well, my last name is Shade. Of course I call my house Shady Acres. It just makes sense. Why would I not? And uh, you can see some new friendly additions to the set here. Some decorative throw pillows. That's fantastic. Anyway, I am back here in my house. I am home from New Orleans from the Final Four. Got lots of sleep. No, that's a joke. I am going on hardly any sleep at all. Can't wait to go back to bed. Uh, but I am home with my family, with my dear sweet wife, Maggie the Texan, and my kids, Paxton and Poppy, and it is great to be home. Uh, apparently, my wife told me that my kids were squealing because every time they saw me during the national championship game, like I randomly would pop up on TV or something, and they would like yell and squeal, and hilarious. I wish I had video of that. Oh man, I have received so many messages from folks out there from yesterday's show just talking about how cathartic it was. I, I had said I hoped it was cathartic and several people have said that it, that it was in fact that. So I'm so glad that it was in some way helpful to you as you processed the national championship loss. I, th I think Coach Davis said it well. I don't know that I've ever felt such pride about something that I'm supposed to feel such disappointment in. And, and I think that is the story for a lot of people. Uh, funny thing was, yesterday's show was actually helpful for me. As I drove home from New Orleans, I listened back to it because I was feeling a little down in the dumps as I drove home on Tuesday. And it was helpful to me. So I was like, hey, thanks, past version of Isaac. High five. <laughs> so that's good. Love, love, love that. So... What ifs? That's where we're headed first today. And where do we start with the what ifs? But with Floorboard Gate. Floorboard Gate? Yes, absolutely. We've already had Handshake Gate a couple weeks ago with uh, the game at Cameron. Now we've got Floorboard Gate. Lots of gates. So many pointless gates. Let's get rid of some gates. Why do we have to have gates? Well, here's why. Because if you watch the video, I'm sure you've seen it or heard about it by this point, but let me just make sure. There's a video going around Twitter 
that when Armando Baycott re-injured his ankle, remember it like rolled out really bad just like in the final minute of the national championship game. There's a video going around where you can see where he, when he plants, the floorboard right there gives way a little bit. And so there's all this ruckus and brouhaha, and I was part of that. I was like, oh, that's not good. That board is messed up. And that's why Carolina lost the game. Not true. That's not true at all. But that's what it seems like when you first see that. And so we, we've got to start by talking about Floorboard Gate. So if you haven't seen it, go find it on Twitter or somewhere. The, the floor gives way, and it looks like maybe that causes Armando's Enco to roll out, and that is no good. Well... Um, Jeff Borzello, great um, ESPN college basketball writer, reached out actually to the company that does the floorboard stuff and asked them about it. And the floor, the manufacturer said um, it's actually supposed to have a little give in the boards to to allow for these heavy, stout athletes to do these things. And in fact, they always have someone on site to make sure everything is going well. And ultimately, there was nothing wrong and that the floor performed as it was supposed to. That's what they said. So, being the enterprising person that I am, I sent an email to Steve Kirshner, who is North Carolina's sports information director for the basketball team. Does a fantastic job helping communicate things back and forth and get stats out and all that. Steve Kirshner is a great man. And so, I just was like, hey, Steve, is there anything to that? Did Armando say anything? To you, and this was his reply back to me. It does seem to buckle a bit, it being the floor, but there is no way of knowing if that is why he rolled his ankle or not. So ultimately, Steve is saying, non-starter, this is a no story, don't worry about it. In in the ESPN article, Jeff Borzello had reached out to North Carolina's AD, Bubba Cunningham. Bubba had said this, we played two games over that space, talking about the Duke game and the Kansas game. And uh, continuing the quote, just an unfortunate thing at a critical time, end quote. And and Bubba's right, like, while, like, yikes, that could have literally changed the game, which is why I'm talking about it in this what-if section, uh, it's just an unfortunate thing that happened at a very critical time. And especially when we think about this, it, it legitimately could have changed the outcome of the game. In the post-game press conference, this is what Mondo had to say about that moment. I thought, And it was David McCormick guarding him, by the way, who had four fouls at the time. Mondo says, I thought, quote, I thought I made a good move. I thought I really got the angle I wanted. I thought it would have been an easy bucket. Yikes. And then I just rolled my ankle, end quote. So, what's Mondo saying here? Well, at that point in the game, if you remember back, Kansas led by 1.70 to 69. And you know the final score was 72 to 69. Just two more points scored in the game. The score is 70 to 69 Kansas. Mondo has just said, you, you just heard it, I had a good angle. It should be an easy bucket for me. Nothing's a guarantee, but as, a, as an athlete, you feel that. You know when you have a good um, shot at something. And so let's say that shot goes in. That's 71-70 North Carolina. Armando Baycott still in the game. Yes, hampered, but not unable <laughs> at that point. Or let's say the bucket doesn't go in. It also looked like David McCormick was maybe in position to foul Baycott there, which would have been number five. He's out of the game. What does that mean? Well, then Kansas goes back down, and in the actual game, they scored again. David McCormick in the paint against, not Baycott, because he's out of the game now, against Brady Manick, who just frankly doesn't have the 
the body mass to bump with David McCormick, and so McCormick had a pretty easy shot in the lane there. In this hypothetical world, either Baycott is able to defend that shot well, because he's been defending McCormick all game and knows his tricks and what he's trying to do, and or, or not, it can't be and, because both of the, or McCormick has fouled out on the play before and Kansas has to run that play through somebody else who could have absolutely scored. Like, let, let's recognize that. However, even if Kansas scores again, Carolina's still only down one at that point instead of three, and that's a completely different ball game. So, floor gate, I think floorboard gate itself is not a thing. Apparently, the, the floor performed as it was intended to do. It just stinks that it's highlighted in this huge moment that could have literally altered who is your 2022 national champion. That is a tough pill to swallow. Well, with that in mind, because we're already just diving into the agony of this, I want to talk about a few other what-ifs. To me, it was just one thing after another, you know, Armando and Caleb and Puff Johnson throwing up and Leaky Black's foul trouble and all of that, and you still only lose by three points. Here's my take on it. If you take just one of those things out, Carolina wins this basketball game. I'll back it up for you. So Carolina lost by three. That means we need to find four points, right? That makes sense. You, you get, I mean, that's loosey-goosey math, but you're tracking with me. If Caleb Love is fully healthy, not, not hampered, not injured, not lame duck, to me, that's almost guaranteed four more points. A healthy Caleb Love is worth absolutely four more points in this game. Even as it was, he was still able to get to the rim. And so if he's at full capacity, he does not shoot a terrible percentage from the field. That is worth four points. Carolina wins. Or let's say if Armando is fully healthy. Again, we're looking for four points. And it's not just that you have to get four points offensively. It could be limiting Kansas's points. So a fully healthy Armando Baycott has more lift, has more rebound capability. And in that sense, I would say that he's worth at least two more points offensively and at least two fewer Kansas points defensively. Net gain for Carolina, four points ball game national champions. What about Leaky Black foul trouble? Leaky Black picks up his fourth foul pretty early in the second half, just five or six minutes in. If Leaky Black is a full participant in this game, Carolina's four points better defensively easily. Leaky could score a bucket, and that's gravy, but I'm just talking defensively. Leaky in this game is worth four fewer points for Kansas. Tar Heel national champions. Or what about Puff Johnson's thing where he got hit in the stomach and started throwing up? The way he was playing at that point, I would say that's at least worth two more points. He got hit right as he was in the midst of that incredible run of, of scoring and drawing a block, uh, a charge. Let's say Puff Johnson's worth two more offensive points in the game. He could also be worth two fewer defense, uh, two fewer points for Kansas, drawing another charge. But let's say even if he's just worth two offensive points for Carolina. Now Kansas is up one, and the Tar Heels aren't shooting desperation threes on their last couple possessions there. They just need to get to the rim. That is a whole different scenario as well. So it's not even that we always have to find four points. Even if we can just find two points, you're in a much better scenario in this, um, in this sense. Or what about Brady Manick, who's getting conked upside his head the entire game? What if he's fully cognizant of everything that's going on? 
one one three pointer. You know, like on the final play of the game when Carolina got the ball back with four seconds, Manic trips trying to get out, and he was the number one option on that play. Coach Davis told us in the post game press conference. Maybe that's because he wasn't fully right in the head. I don't know that. But but what if he hadn't been getting knocked around? Maybe he's able to make that cut, gets the ball on the far side, hits a three, we're going to overtime. All of those what-ifs are very possible. Do they win you a, an actual national championship? Absolutely not. But it's a fun exercise. No, it's terrible. What-ifs are terrible, and we shouldn't do it, but we can't help ourselves. We want to talk and think about all that stuff. That's just a fun little game to start off our Wednesday show, dreaming about what could have been and floorboard gate. <laughs> well, Carolina family stories are a big part of who we are and what we do. The Carolina family is strong. We love hearing stories of the student-athletes, but we also love hearing stories of each other and the things that we do because we see ourselves in those stories. And so coming out of, out of the weekend, out of the Duke win, out of yesterday's show, I've had a ton of stories flooding in. And so I just want to start sharing some of those, unpacking a, a few every episode or so. And so we're going to do that today. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bars are great candy bar replacement options covered in 100% real chocolate. Some of the great flavors include mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new is white chocolate shamrock. These are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. At Built Bar, they are all about taste. Absolutely, they're working to make your bars healthy, but they're going to make it taste great first and then also make it healthy. Not sure how they pull it off, but they always do. So, Go to Built.com, look at the macros chart. You're going to be blown away. You've got high protein, low calories, high fiber, low carbs. Here's some of the numbers for you. Just 130 calories, 4 net carbs, 4 grams of sugars, but yet 17 grams of protein. That is what you are looking for. So compare that to a candy bar that has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. That's not what you want. Go to Built.com instead and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. I want to remind you, if you are with us watching on YouTube, make sure to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, so you can make sure to get all of the Locked on Tar Heels shows every day when they come out. Well, here's what I want to do, is start sharing some of these stories. And I see the ability to share stories in this context of the podcast as twofold. Number one, we can share stories of the student athletes, the ones who we watch and cheer for, whether they're doing it now or they've done it before. These young women and men who are out there doing it, they're part of what's going on. And that's fun, but I can't see myself in that. I, I am five foot ten. I am not Armando Baycott, six foot ten, way up there. And so I love to live vicariously through that, but I can't see myself in it. But I, we want to hear those stories. But we also want to hear the stories that we can see ourselves in. Our fellow Carolina family who is just, you know, Johnny Q person like you and I, who might be a little bit athletic, but, but is just living life and doing the deal. And so the stories of the Tar Heel family, uh, of the Carolina family, that is because we are all joined together through the love of this university. And so when we do these stories, which we're gonna bring together, not just now, but, but throughout 
the life of the show because how neat is it to, to hear some things that other people are doing as part of the Carolina family. And so we're just going to call these Carolina family stories. That's the title I'm giving this section. And so I, I've got three things I want to share with you today. Two just two just short, quick ones, and then one actual story from the Duke game on Saturday night. And so one of the things that's really neat is while the end of this run is sad since it didn't end in a national championship, the fact that it happened, people are just elated and it, and it's incredible and so many people are resonating with this team and what they did and how they brought the Carolina family together. And so these first two just little short stories that I want to share are just little things that people reached out to me to say, here's something that was hard going on in my life and how tracking along with this team and Coach Davis and everything else with it has helped bring me through that. And so um, to protect privacy, I'm not going to share the names of these people just because it's something hard they went through in their life. But th these are Carolina family people out there just like yourself. So here is number one. This is coming out of yesterday's podcast where we unpacked the national championship game. You did a great job on the pod getting me through all my emotions this morning about this season. I laughed, got mad, cried, and then I smiled. It was definitely cathartic. And with everything else going on in my personal life with mom passing away, it helped me process that a little as well, as weird as that may sound. But thank you for what you do for us Heels fans and keep up the fantastic work. And so... This is a person who has lost their mother in the midst of this season. And in some small way, dealing, uh, not dealing with, but encountering this Carolina basketball team has helped process the loss of a, not just a loved one, but a parent. And boy, that's difficult. But isn't it neat how sports can bring us together and rally around each other? And I've seen people do that so often. The second shorter story I want to share is from someone who Omicron had just affected their business some this year and how this Carolina team helped just get them through that. And so it says this, just finished your pod driving across Raleigh, lump in my throat, you summed it up beautifully and you hoped it was cathartic for me. It absolutely was. 2022 has been difficult for me business wise, just rocky but it's steadying now. These young men and Coach Davis gave me a lot of hope and joy through it. They'll never know just how impactful what they did really was. They're the most endearing team. And, and that's, man, that's just good. How you never know how anything in life that you're doing can impact someone else but through the way, the joy you have for a game and the way you as a team come together and how that can impact somebody just by being a team and succeeding and having fun. So thank you to the team. Thank you to the two of you. You know who you are for allowing me to share those stories. Well, I had also asked for stories from the Duke game and, and I'm elated to get to share one of those with you here. So this is longer than either of those other two. And so this one comes from Carla Goslin. I believe it's Goslin. It might be Gosline. I'm going with Goslin. And so Carla, you'll have to tell me if I got that right or not. I'm sorry that I hadn't asked you uh, first. And this one is going to come with two pictures along the way as well. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to watch those pop up as I talk. 
Carla says this. This is me reading Carla's words here. Hi, I'll try to keep my post short. My 17-year-old daughter loves UNC. She really fell in love with basketball about seven years ago, and ever since, she has asked to go to a Tar Heel game, more specifically, a UNC-Duke game. We live in Alabama, so it's not super close, and getting to tickets for that game is nearly impossible. Fast forward to the start of March Madness. We looked at the brackets and saw that UNC, UNC would play Duke if Duke made it. I looked at tickets, and they were crazy expensive. So we watched our heels win each game, knowing they could. Well, when they beat the Peacocks, that's St. Peter's, she said, my daughter said, Mama, this means UNC Duke play to get in the final game. I said, yes, they do. Well, after that game, I started watching ticket prices, and I finally found a pair yesterday at 12. I packed an overnight bag and told her we were going on a quick trip. She asked where, and I told her she would just have to wait and see. Well, she figured it out about an hour into the trip, and she was so excited. So we left at 12 and arrived at the Superdome at 6.30. We saw Cam Johnson and Nasir Little. Then we watched a great game. That's the understatement of the century, Carla. It was absolutely a great game. Back to the story. She was so nervous, and when they won, she started crying. As we were walking to the car later, she saw three gentlemen standing near an exit. She said, Mama, that's Coach Roy. I said, are you sure? And she said, of course. So we walked over and saw him. She was more than excited. It made her night. So our team won, and she got to meet one of her favorite coaches. Not too bad for her very first college basketball game. And she, Carla goes on to say, here are two pictures. Sorry, one is blurry. I was just as excited for her to meet Coach Williams. And so as you'll see, uh, or have already seen, I will have already put it up, the, the picture of um, Carla's daughter and Coach Williams is a little bit blurry, but you can see what's going on there and what an exciting moment following an already incredible experience in, in evening. So Carla, thank you so much for sharing that with us. So why are stories like this so important? Because again, as I said, it's all of us. We can see ourselves in the story of Carla, of, of going to a game, of Carla's daughter getting to your first game, getting to see Coach Williams there and just holding court and, and talking to everyone. It's so, so great. And so I, I love the opportunities that we have to share quite often stories of the student athletes and, and live through that, but also to share stories of the people just like you and I, who are the ones that cheer on these teams and root for them. And so we're, we're going to lean more into this, these Carolina family stories. And so I hope you enjoy it. If you have a Carolina family story, would you share it with me? You could send that through Gmail at, uh, to LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. You can share it with me on Twitter or Instagram or fit, wherever it is you can find me. But Gmail is the best place. Well, similar to UCLA last season coming off of their great NCAA tournament run, this NCAA tournament run for the Tar Heels is going to hopefully launch them into next year off on the right foot. And because of that success, a couple of the way too early top 25s for next year are already out. And Carolina, where are they? They're pretty high up. We're going to find out exactly where in just a second. But first, let me tell you about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars, it's nearly impossible for your local auto parts store to stock everything you need. 
why go through all those questions that you don't even really know the answers to anyway? What what uh, model is your car? Well, I can figure that out. Well, uh, what is it? An EX, an XL, an LE, a Touring? I don't know that. Look in the owner's manual. You you figure it out. <laughs> and then you got to wait why a salesman... Don't go through all that mess. Instead, just go to Rock Auto and you find the parts that you're looking for yourself. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. That consistency is something that you can believe in. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer and their inventory has everything that you need. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Okay, so we are looking ahead at this way too early top 25. There's specifically two of them that I want to look at, ones that, that I trust and believe in. One is Jeff Borzello that, from ESPN. They, they put out a way too early. It's usually really good. And then Gary Parrish from CBS Sports, who does um, literally a top 25 and one every day. During, during the offseason, it's just when it needs to be updated, when there's news. But during the college basketball season, literally publishes an updated top 25 and one. So it's 26 teams every day. Uh, and so Lo- Love GP uh, does a great job. If, if you've not checked out the um, CBS Eye on College Basketball podcast, I don't want you listening to other shows, but it's a great one. I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. And so he and Matt Norlander do a great job. Kyle Boone hops in on that sometimes. Uh, Nada, the scribe, he's the man. He is the producer of that show. Shouts to you, Nada, in some of that GP parlance. So um, we have these two that we're going to look at. I'm not projecting right now for Carolina what players uh, are coming back or not, what decisions are coming back or not. I'm going to talk some about that tomorrow in terms of projecting whom I think will come back or not. And then on Friday, I want to look and project at what the actual rosters are and why I think it's so hard to predict that right now. So the ESPN one, uh, the ESPN way too early top 25 has Carolina. You want to guess? I'll pause. Okay. Number two in the nation. Yeah. Just, um, no, excuse me. I had that backwards. That's GPs. The ESPN, uh, top 25 has Carolina a little bit further down at fifth. And so this is what the article says, the little caption summary about the Tar Heels. Before the NCAA tournament run, it's highly unlikely Carolina would have been at this spot in the rankings. But Hubert Davis clearly found something that worked with his quartet of stars and proved... By the way, Leaky Black is a star, so I'm revising this. With his quintet of stars and proved his coaching chops on the biggest stage in the sport. The only negative for the national runners-up is that Caleb Love might have played himself out the door after his outstanding performances. Armando Baycott might have already been heading in that direction, but for now, both are included in this projection, and a trio of Love, R.J. Davis, and Baycott would be as good as it gets in college basketball next season. Throw in the development of some returnees and the addition of two top 50 recruits, and Coach Davis will have plenty of talent again. And ESP... ESPN goes ahead and projects the starting five. And so they have Love, RJ Davis, Armando Baycott, Dontrez Styles, and incoming freshman Seth Trimble, um, who you might know is the younger brother of a former Tar Heel. Anybody know who that is? I'm not going to say it. 
I want you to guess. You tell me. I want to see if you know who it is. Okay, uh, I don't know about the Dontres Styles call. We're going to have to wait and see on some of that, and, and we'll talk about those kind of things in the offseason, but all right, I can, I can go with that. So here, I'm not going to read off the whole top 25, but I'll tell you who ESPN's, uh, who they have in the, just the top 10 of their list. Arkansas, Houston at 2, UCLA 3, Kansas 4, Carolina 5, with Duke right behind them at 6, Kentucky 7, Baylor 8, Creighton 9, and Arizona 10. Listen to this stretch. Again, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. UCLA, Kansas, UNC, Duke, Kentucky, Baylor. Whew. Uh, I, I add Baylor in just because they've been insane in recent years. But three through seven, that is as blue as blue bloods get. UCLA, Kansas, UNC, Duke, Kentucky. My, oh my. On the entire list of ESPN's top 25, they just have two ACC schools, Carolina and Duke, in there. So projecting the ACC perhaps to not be as strong again, which... Uh, do that at your own peril, because we saw how things turned out in March Madness. And again, I know that's not an indicator of, of actual conference success or not, but the ACC did really well. Also, UC, uh, Virginia barely missed the cut. The ESPN had them at 26th. Now, let's turn our attention to Gary Parish's top 25-1. and one. He is the one that has Carolina as the number two team in the nation coming in just behind UCLA. And here's what Parrish has to say. The Tar Heels ranking is based on North Carolina returning every rotation player except for Brady Manick. Among them, All-American Armando Baycott and NCAA tournament star Caleb Love, neither of whom is a projected first-round pick. As long as things go that way... Hubert Davis will have a real chance to make back-to-back -back Final Fours. Oh my word, could you imagine if Coach Davis did that in his first two years? So, um, here is Gary Parrish's top 10. I've already said UCLA and UNC in the first two slots. Kentucky 3, Baylor 4, Houston 5, Arkansas 6, Gonzaga 7, Kansas 8, Duke 9, and Tennessee 10 rounding out the top 10. You heard a lot of the same names as on the ESPN list in that top 10. The The only two that were different is ESPN had Creighton and Arizona, and Gary Parrish had Gonzaga and Tennessee. The other eight, UCLA, UNC, Kentucky, Baylor, Houston, Arkansas, Kansas, Duke, are all the same. Parrish also only has the two ACC schools, Carolina and Duke, as well as ESPN. So uh, people not thinking the ACC is going to be strong again, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Now, you heard both of those projections making guesses about who will or won't be the personnel for Carolina. As I said, I'm not going to talk about that today. Why? Because I'm talking about it tomorrow, and so I don't want to give it away what my thoughts are. But did want to give you that glimpse into what we might be looking at for Carolina next year, that they could be right back at the top of the sport, depending on who is or isn't back. Again, what do I think? I'll tell you tomorrow going to have to wait and see. <laughs> that is it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please go subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels and you can follow me at Isaac Shade. You can see it if you're watching on YouTube right there. If you're listening, it is I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. Again, you can send us an email, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Com. Coming up tomorrow, in addition to the should I stay or should I go segment, 
I'm going to give you, uh, I've had a couple of people ask about, hey, what's it like to be at the Final Four on the media side? So I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a behind the scenes of what is going on at the Final Four. And so those are the two big things we're going to unpack on tomorrow's show. Thanks so much again for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen and or watch every day. And now I want to encourage you to make Locked on NFL Draft your second listen today. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. Just like all the other shows on the Locked On Network, it's free and available anywhere you get podcasts. Man, thank you so much for spending part of your Wednesday talking Carolina sports with me. Uh, it's weird. College basketball is dead and gone for this season. I do not know what to do with myself, but you know what we can do? Spring football game is Saturday. It's coming, baby. It's coming. So that's that's something very much you can look forward to. And even if not, we got some days before that, and each of those is going to be a great day. Why? Because it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace.